SBNY Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy and I'm your host. Joining me in a moment, uh, co-host, weekly co-host, Alec Argento in the house. We're going to be talking a lot about these NFL championship games, the Patriots and the Eagles. A Super Bowl rematch. Nick Foles versus Tom Brady, though. The matchup we all were waiting for this whole entire year. But we got a lot of stuff to talk about with football. We're also going to talk about some Knicks action as well as some general NBA stuff a little later on. You know, with uh, the Cavs gave up like 150, 148. Is that right? Goddamn. So there's some stuff to talk about. The SBNY Podcast, iTunes Out Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, and of course, sportsblognewyork.com. But without further ado, my man, Alec Argento in the house. So, You're not a happy camper right now. No, bad day for your boy. Bad day for a lot of sports fans in the Northeast who don't like the Eagles or the Patriots. So basically, well, nobody, New Yorkers. Nobody likes the Patriots outside of New England. Like, literally nobody. People who, you, I know you, you deny that these people exist, but people who like greatness and like the best teams to be in the championship are fine with the Patriots being there. They may not want them to win the Super Bowl, but they probably accept that it makes it a pretty great atmosphere. Well, yeah, those are the Yankee, Patriot, Golden State Warrior, Alabama fans. Right. Yeah, those fans. Those people exist. Yeah, those are shitty people. I'm not saying they're good. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. But, you know, you have to admit that they're there. And the fact that, you know, the NFL and NBC, who has a Super Bowl this year, are happy the Patriots are there because that's a storyline that people are going to want to watch no matter what. Because if you hate the Patriots, you want to see them lose. And if you like the Patriots, obviously you're going to see them win or you want to see them win. But then the Eagles, the other team in the Northeast now, in the Super Bowl, Giants fans hate them. Cowboys, Redskins fans hate them. Eagles, uh, their fans don't have the best reputation. But goddamn, oh, really? did the link look lit today. I mean, the past two weeks, the Eagles' home field advantage, they're home underdogs, and they win both games. This one against the Vikings, not even damn close. Pretty crazy that they were dogs this week, too, after Nick Foles kind of did pretty well the week before. I don't, I don't really understand how they were still dogs. Like, Case Keenum didn't really show out the week before um, for them to get that kind of designation. It didn't really make any sense to me. I, I kind of agree. I um, And, like, what was it, like four points, too, right? It was three. It was a three-point spread. That's and pretty significant. You know? What me and Mike Palmisano said on the pod, we took our picks last Woodsy week. baby. We said, uh, if you think about this spread— it's you, what do they always say about football spreads? You know, you, two and a half or three points just for being the home home team, right? right? So that means neutral site. You can assume the Vikings would be a six point favorite, and right. then in Minnesota, you could assume they'd be a nine point favorite, which is ridiculous, which is crazy. And that when you think about it like that, and that's why I picked the Eagles, my only good pick of the week, because I picked the Patriots to cover, which they didn't. You think about it like that, you're like, wow, the Vikings aren't that much better than the Eagles. I mean, they're both playing with backup quarterbacks. Neither quarterback is looked at as this high power. Running gun, crazy high 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 octane quarterback, and yet it was still a spread against the home team, and that's just that's surprising to me. Now, what about the seven and a half point spread for you with the with the, with the Patriots? Did you feel good about that one? I I was I mean I I serpicoed myself with the uh, with the Jags. I was like I, I it started as a joke that I was like okay they they could somehow win this, but they really there's no shot that they would ever do this. And then by 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 today I was like oh they're they're 100 going to win. There's no shot the Patriots even stand a chance, which is just a ridiculous statement. I do this every year, uh, even last year. It's you know at a certain point when you have that jersey going against that jersey, it doesn't matter who's playing. I don't care if you have Joe Montana in your prime. If you're on the Jags. You're going to lose that game to the Patriots. You're just always going to lose that game to the Patriots. They outplayed them the entire game. They were the better team the entire the, the entire game. doesn't matter. 
It just absolutely doesn't matter. And it's really what really sucks too with that Patriot game is I can't even find anything to complain about. Like you know, there were a couple big penalties and everything, but Pr- they were pretty, fair. Pretty righteous. They were I fair. They were fair penalties. I mean, I, I, that pass interference. The one thing with the pass interference at the end was you know it was kind of an uncatchable ball, but whatever. It was still a borderline call, and you can't really get mad at that call. Um, but it's just it's for for a Giants fan. This is like the absolute worst. And, and a Jets fan. <laughs> like, yeah, but I think it's worse for a Giants Well, it is worse fair. for a Giants fan. But New Yorkers in general, the two cities that New Yorkers like don't like the most, as we look at as a little brother or a little sister, depending, you know, don't want to assume right. anything. But New York says, all right, Boston, Boston, Schmalston, Philly, they're, they're little sister forever. And we have to now watch the Patriots and the Eagles, the two teams we might hate the most outside of the Cowboys. And it, it could, I could see very clearly why this sucks for New York football fans. But for me, the way I look at it is it would have been really cool for the Vikings to play their home Super Bowl, right? But now you have a team that was widely considered the best team in the NFC all year long without Carson Wentz, without the quarterback, in the Super Bowl. I just heard some talk about this on the radio. If you're Carson Wentz, because he looked very active on the sideline today, or last night, I should say. If you're Carson Wentz, Alec, Eagles pull out a freaking Super Bowl win, right? First of their history. If you're Carson Wentz, you wearing that ring? That was a stupid question. That was a really dumb question, Pete. Of course you're wearing the ring. <laughs> you think so? Because Phil Sims doesn't really wear his that's, ring. That's like Phil, saying, that year Phil Sims went ten and one, and then Hostetter came in and won the championship for the Giants. That's like Sims say, isn't isn't really that proud of it because he feels like he didn't he, do it. He was the reason they got to that point. He's the reason they had that first round buy. First, if you said to me. Oh, okay. Well, that's like saying the kid from Alabama. I forget his name. Um, Hurts. Yeah, Jake, Jalen, J- Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Jalen Hurts. Um, he's not going to wear his ring because Tua came in for for three quarters and 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 won them championship. They wouldn't have been in that position without it. It's not, you know. Of course, you're going to wear. I mean, I agree with you. I totally agree. I'm just saying. I heard I heard uh, some radio show talking about. It. I was curious if you thought, you know, because doesn't a, doesn't a party you have to feel kind of bad about that? No, he's winning a ring. It's not like he's not like he got. It's not like he got replaced. He got he got injured. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I feel you. I, I agree with you. I just well, wanted to bring the, it up. The one thing up. I think is interesting, and uh, just a point of conversation here, Nick Foles can do this with with, with this team. Wonder if Carson Paul, uh, Carson Wentz is as good as he seemed this year. You know, maybe it's the team around him. That's a good team. That defense is really good. The weapons are really good. Zach Ertz and, and Alshon Jaffrey, those are good receivers, you know? Just looking at that mix of Jay Ajayi, LeGarrette Blount, and then Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, who, like, these guys didn't, like, Torrey Smith didn't have a great season, but he's still there and he's still a threat. LeGarrette Blount is going to end up being, like, one of the greatest, like, Super Bowl, like, most Super Bowl winning champions of all time. I think he's already got two. Does he? I thought he only had one. He's already got two. He was only in the Patriots for one. He got, didn't he get one with the Steelers? He has two. I oh, did he? Yeah. I don't remember that. I'm not sure if that's uh, correct or not, two. but whatever. Besides the point, I have another thing. So this is regarding the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was thinking about this as I was driving. I was listening to the second and third quarter from the car mostly. Um, I was thinking about Blake Bortles and the Jaguars. Let's think back to two weeks ago, the first week of the, of the playoffs. You had Jaguars versus the Bills, right? And the Jaguars win 10-3 to in this horrible quote-unquote defensive matchup, which you could call that if you want, but but it wasn't. <laughs> it, was, it was a bad offensive it, match, it was, right? It was Blake Bortles and, uh, and Tyrod Taylor right. against the wind. <laughs> so um, now I'm thinking they scored 10 points against the Bills, and then somehow they dropped 40 freaking 5 on the Steelers, and then they're up 14-10 on the Patriots. They're up 20 to, um, 20 to 10 in the second half. How did they go from scoring 10 points on the Bills to almost beating the Patriots? Like uh, Even though they, they came out on the bottom, 
is it impressive? Do you think they're going to be a team in the playoffs in the future? Well, like in the, in the playoffs, I mean, you kind of you don't you don't play your game every game in the playoffs. You play the game that's gonna you think is gonna be the best game to beat your opponent. You know, you're not necessarily playing as yourselves, where where you did for the the 16 games you did before the season. So you play by matchup. You you try to play to your strengths against their weaknesses. So you know it's 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 kind of a crapshoot. I mean, every I'm sure on majority of the Super Bowl winning teams or, or, or just good playoff deep runs, there's a clunker in there that you're like, how the hell did this guy get past it? I mean, I'm, I can't remember it, but, you know, look at, like, the Giants when, when they won against – like, they should have lost that game against the Packers pretty significantly, and they didn't, and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. So it's just you, you're playing it week by week, as cliche as that sounds, so you gotta you got to treat it differently. The Patriots, though, I mean – did you ever think they weren't going to win that game? I, I had a I had a pretty good feeling that they were going to figure it out. They were going to somehow come out on top, but Unless they didn't cover the spread, which upsets me. But I mean, yeah, I know. once that fourth quarter hits and they they as uh, long get as it the, wasn't three three scores, like yeah. they, they were going to win that game. Yeah, exactly. And then and then the, like I you were, me and you were talking about this before before we started recording. Uh, you were talking about how much it must suck for a fan of the losing team to listen to Tony Romo's call oh on God. CBS. <laughs> <laughs> all he wants to do is just yelling at, at, he's just yelling at Jim Nance to review every play every five seconds it's infuriating you know when I, I I'm, I'm a Giants fan obviously so I don't really watch a lot of games on uh, on CBS where my, you know I have a stake in the game and I feel like everybody for the most part had a stake in this game whether you were a fan of the Patriots or you, you were just rooting for them to lose right and him like screaming when Danny Amendola caught that touchdown, which is a fine touchdown. Nothing crazy, nothing you've never seen before. Big moment for sure, but oh you know. Oh my God! Oh my Jim, check it out! Check it out! Oh, maybe they're going to review it. No, it's good! It's good! He's just infuriating and he doesn't stop talking and he doesn't have, like, people talk about like, the big game voice. Like, Joe Buck's got a big game voice and uh, Phil Sims had a, had a voice like that too, even, uh, although Phil Sims wasn't very good. Um, he's kind of a wet noodle. He was a wet noodle, but, but he had a good voice for it. And Tony Romo, he's not, he's the color guy. He's not even, he's not even the lead announcer. And he, just, he never stops talking. He never stops talking. He's infuriating. Uh, I, I used to it. love Tony Romo. I loved, as a Giants fan, he's one of those people like you could still love just because he's just, it's Tony Romo. Like he's not, he's not really a threat. He's fun to watch. He's fun to watch blow up in the fourth quarter all the time. Um, and he was on my fantasy team for 10 Ten years in a row, uh, <laughs> but just now I hate him. Like I, I have no interest in ever watching an, a, a CBS game at four o'clock because he's going to be calling it. I mean, yeah, he he went right to the A team, which is something you can't forget. He went right from quarterback to back of quarterback, I guess, uh, after he was hurt, to number one guy, color guy for CBS. And I mean, as much as I understand why people hate him, like I totally get that. I think I think he's pretty fun, and I I think he brings the excitement that to the big moment, even if it's like too much. It's it's exciting. And you like when he uh, he's begging them to review every play that's ever on the field. I like when he's like, "Ooh, I don't know, I don't know, Jim. He, he it might have bobbled for a quick second." And and also like, he gets a lot of credit for calling plays. He calls every play, and he misses ninety nine percent of them. Like he was doing it at the end of the game. He's like, "They're gonna they love to run it to the outside, like throwing it to the left side of the next play, like that play." Like they, he just he just loves to guess. It's like you know, like when they say like the Simpsons called, like they, they can predict the future. Yeah, well, when you when you have seven million episodes, or when you make seven million calls a game, you're gonna predict some of them, right? That sounds kind of like you on this podcast. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I was saying that to, to to Pete and a friend of ours off the podcast. Shout out, Paul. Um, uh, we were. I was talking about how IT. And we'll get to that later. IT on the Cavs just makes them worse. And I wanted to get credit for it. And then 
Pete was like, you just want crap. I'm like, yeah, but I'm also wrong like 99% of the time. I think every call, every every uh, game I called this weekend was completely wrong, like over the past week and a half. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad, you know, you have the, the, the cojones to, to sit here in front of the microphone and say that you've been wrong. Because I've also had conversations with you before where you're always right. Well, I am always right. I'm right. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm that's right. A, in, in, that's how that works. But I'm also humble. You know, I'm right and oh, humble yeah, at right. the same time. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, humble, wrong ninety percent of the time, but always right. But always right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So wait, last thing on the Jaguars before we hop back to the Patriots. The Jaguars. The Jaguars. Yeah, XJ. Um, Blake Bortles. I saw on Twitter today after the game ended a lot of chatter about how Jacksonville actually ended up being a little conservative in the second half. And they almost thought they they held they allowed Blake Bortles to hold them back when they should have let him go. Well, do you have? I, I don't know about that because he he had a wide open Leonard Fournette and he just threw it three miles to the right of him <laughs> at that last play. They could have won that game at, at, with with like a minute and a half left when Leonard Fournette was just completely burned. Uh, I think it was a linebacker that was covering him all the way up the sideline. Yeah, but when you're talking about one play that he messed up through a bad ball, that's, that's fair. But also talking about the whole entire second half where they actually. You know, did have a you more conservative notice, play call. You ever notice that happens to the Patriots on big wins in the playoffs every time? Like the other every team, other time. team. Yeah, like I went. The other team, what I did, miraculously stops play. And I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. It's just weird. Like you know, the, the last year with the Falcons, just horrendous play calling against the the Seahawks, horrendous play calling. Every time, it's just like they get all the breaks, and you have to have breaks to like well, win a championship. Do you, or do you put any any um, any of that worth to this? These teams, like the Falcons last year, the Jaguars this week, um, they come out with a game plan. They get scared. They come out with their game plan, and it works, and they get ahead. And then they go into halftime and say, all right, Bill's going to change something drastic. So do we. We have to do the same thing. And then they, they, they get tight. They try to do too much different stuff. They even got that lucky on that little flea flicker New England played with Deion Lewis fumbled. Well, they had a couple. They, they got lucky like two there. Two or three. Yeah. That was and, cool. But they got so exciting. Well, tight, do, you think, do you think there's any worth in this? Oppos- opposing coaches – go to halftime after their first half plan executed perfectly, and then say, all right, Bill's going to do something. Now I have to, too. And they try to coach with him instead of coaching what they do. I think the Patriots' biggest asset is that they have the name, the Patriots. They have Tom, the name Tom Brady, and they have the name Bill Belichick. So Blake, like Blake Bortles had the opportunity to win that game today. Like, you know, it got he, it allows them to, it, that, that those names allow it to get in the player and the coach's heads. And now it starts pressing on you and weighing on you that, okay, now you have to beat the Patriots. You have to beat the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl. And it's Blake Bortles who went three and three and 13 last year. You know, it's like, it's Doug Marone. It was Doug Marone the coach last year. Yeah. Yeah. Doug Marone has to do, uh, you know, go to the Super Bowl, uh, with, uh, with Blake Bortles as his, as his starting quarterback. It's scary. I would be it's scared. Daunting. Thing, right, I would be scared. So you are, so you're agreeing that you'd put some worth in the yeah, fact yeah, that I'm coaches look that. at at halftime. They're like, all right, what are we gonna do once the Patriots make their changes? Yeah, I just, I, I they just, it's always happens where they just try to run the ball every play, every play, and and you know Blake Bortles wasn't slinging it down the field. He was doing what he always does with that team. It's like throw a couple screens, throw a couple three yard passes, and let your play Those play actions where he rolls plays. out and finds yeah. someone down the field. And, and he, he didn't run at all this entire game. There was a couple play that actually uh, I think it was. The next that play that ended the game where, where he actually made a pretty good throw it was good defensive. Uh, yeah, defense. it was a great play. Um, but he had Steven, plenty Steven of Gilmore, room to roll out to the left and get a first down, like plenty of room, and they just didn't do anything. And plus, because he wasn't really running all game, he yeah, probably wasn't, wasn't yeah, even thinking I think it. He got scared. He got scared. He likes. Um, so my question <laughs> now is because before you know halfway through the season, Blake Bortles was still looked at as like this this Joe Schmo who sucks, right? 
And then now he gets the steam going. They make the playoffs. They make a little run in the playoffs. Like uh, part of my take, they love they love talking about Blake Bortles, joking about Blake Bortles. I actually saw someone tweet at Big Cat and uh, PFT saying, "I despise how much you guys made me buy into Blake Bortles this year." <laughs> and and it makes sense because he is like this jokey, jokeable character that you can make fun of, but he's also a, root he's for. An everyman. He's right. an everyman. Right. He literally you, said once when uh, a reporter said, "What would you be doing I if you didn't play football?" <laughs> I'd probably be working instructions ripping cigs. Like. <laughs> It's easy for people in our demographic, you know, 18 to 30 even, to, to relate to Blake Bortles because he's that, that guy. Do you think he has his job locked up in Jacksonville? Are they going to really play their options? No, I, I don't think he has it locked up, but I think, it, you know, it's probably going to be him. What I what I really think is going to happen, or at least there's going to be talks about it, and I've said it before, is that they're going to try to trade Eli over there because Tom Coughlin loves Eli, and they have an offensive line that Eli can do well with, and they have playmakers, and they have they can run the ball and everything. And if you can do that for in, without having to give up much, because they don't have to give up much to get him, uh, to get him obviously, um, and uh, it would allow the Giants to freely start a quarterback if they draft it and everything instead of muddying it and having them start, you know, bench everything. I think it works out for both sides. Do Tom you, th- do you him, think obviously. that Eli Manning is clearly better than Blake Bortles right now? I think so. You think I, so? I think so. Well, he does different things, obviously. Eli's not going to roll out like, like Blake Bortles can do. But if Eli has time, I'm not saying Eli's great anymore. He's not. But if he has time, he can make a deep pass. You know, he can he can, th- yeah. he can sling he the can ball be, a He bit. can be semi-accurate. I, I semi-accurate. I think he's a little bit more accurate than people give him credit for. And, I, and I, more accurate than Blake Bortles. Yeah, Blake Bortles, like, like you know, God bless you. He, he could have been the hero everybody wanted th- today. Yeah. But he's just not that good. He's just not a good quarterback. He, <laughs> he shouldn't have been that. drafted third overall like he was, and everyone knew that, and he ended up not being good. I mean, I guess he was the best qu- Was he the best quarterback in that draft? That was the Teddy Bridgewater draft. I don't remember who else got taken that draft. Though. I'd probably be happier with Teddy Bridgewater than uh, oh, Blake yeah? Bortles. I'm sure there's other quarterbacks in that draft. Teddy I can't Bridgewater think off the top play of my head. And probably will never again. Eh, Case Keenum might get paid, bro. Maybe. Maybe. I'll, I'll tell you, if, if, if Pat Shermer, who's most likely going to be the Giants head coach, if he could turn Case Keenum into that this year, was it 22-2, and two, the touchdown to interception ratio? If he could do that to whatever quarterback we have, uh, or to, to, you know, to like an actually good quarterback, I would be ecstatic. Uh, next year for the Giants. Uh, and actually, a friend of the podcast, Joe Calabrese, just tweeted a, a little. Actually, no, it was actually the Sports Blog Twitter. My, my bad. He just retweeted it. At Sports Blog NYC just tweeted New York's reaction to the Philadelphia Boston Super Bowl. And it's a picture of a general businessman, Trump looking actually, but just banging his head on the desk. So Phil over there tweeting for the Sports Blog NYC account, feeling just how you are right now. Feeling just how you are. <laughs> so we now have two weeks to go. I don't know if you agree with me. I asked Mike about this on last week's podcast. Do you hate the first week of Super Bowl coverage? Uh, unless the Giants are in it, yeah. <laughs> so, like, this this week before real, quote, Super Bowl week, people still talk about it. They're going to be talking about Eagles and Tom Brady and blah, 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 blah. Like, do you just shut it down? Because for me, like, after today, after we record this podcast and after Monday, I don't want to hear any football talk, like, any Super Bowl talk until because next week. Because it's a tease because you have that extra week in between. Yeah, yeah I don't no, care. 100%. There, there's a perfect week, and this is what we're going to be doing on the Sport Blog podcast. I want to hear more Pro Bowl talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big Pro Bowl guy. We're going to be talking about the Knicks. We're going to be talking about basketball. And the NBA Outsiders, at NBA underscore Outsiders on Twitter, are going to come back with a new episode this week. We haven't had one since about mid-December. Uh, and we're going to come back. We'll come back strong. New content. Revamp it up a little bit. So, Al, your first thought now that we know the Super Bowl, because this is the last time we're talking about Super Bowl until next week, and plus you're not going to be on the podcast again this week. So first day, first reaction, 
What are your expectations for Eagles Patriots Super Bowl? Uh, just look at the jerseys, and you'll know who's going to win that game. The Eagles will not win the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't care how well it might be close. It'll probably be close. Patriots will probably come back. They'll probably be leading in like the third quarter by like three touchdowns, and the Patriots will some, somehow come back. But there is no way that the Eagles win that Super Bowl. Like absolutely no way. So you're you're just saying Patriots win this game a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, hundred and five times out of hundred. What's your guess on the spread? Because I know we didn't look at. Uh, somewhere uh, I'd say eight to ten, somewhere in there. I agree. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm saying it's gonna start at eight and a half. Maybe uh, depending on where the money goes early, you know, maybe it'll bump I would up take to the, nine. I would take the over nine in that and a half in a dome. Yeah, I'd take the over in that. I don't know what it's gonna be. That that might be high. That might be like a forty-eight. You think Vegas knows? Uh, they know something. <laughs> they know something. They know more than us. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah, I don't think it's gonna be I, the, the Patriots' defense didn't look good today, and uh, I guess the Eagles' Patri- uh, the defense did, but. You could have the best defense in the league, like the Jacksonville Jaguars did today, and it's just the play calling is just so ridiculously good in the playoffs for the Patriots. You know, they they pull out an extra book. They pull out an extra book in the playoffs with all these trick plays and these flea flickers and everything like that. And you never know what you can't game for it. Every Tom Brady wasn't throwing downfield; he was just getting wide open receivers, fifteen to ten to fifteen yards away, and every time, and there was no defense on it at all. So. I, don't know. I, I I think that I don't think you could have as good as the Eagles defenses look so far. I don't think it matters. A saying in sports goes like this: You can't just throw your your jersey on the field and expect to win. But if you're the New England Patriots against the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> in the Super Bowl, I think you might be able to throw your jersey on the field. And I, win. <laughs> I was telling that to my buddy before before you got here before. Like it, in football specifically, eh, not just football, but there's loser teams. Like the Knicks, like we're we're a loser team. We have a loser team. That you ever have the like a loser team could beat a, another loser team, like the Eagles did to the the the, uh, the Vikings today, obviously. But they won't beat a good team. You know, the Knicks will never beat the Celtics in in like a, a, in a finals uh, in a, a conference finals. The the Mets will never beat you know uh, the Cardinals. The, the Cardinals, <laughs> yeah, exactly in a finals. But you know that can happen that way. It's just losers are losers. We had three losers this week and one good. Well, one good franchise out there, so you knew what was going to happen. Winners stay winning, and losers stay losing. Yeah. It's organizational. I heard something, and then we'll move on to basketball. Winning begets winning. You familiar with the uh, Will Kane character on ESPN? No, no. Okay, well, he kind of plays the role of like I don't even know. I don't want to just call him the conservative guy, even though that's kind of his role on ESPN. But he has like strong takes. He's a Texas guy, you know. He's he he appreciates the LeBron and the Patriots. He's that guy. You know what I mean? And he, he went on this little soliloquy on his show the other day, and I was listening to it. And basically, he says what I tell you all the time that you do not like to hear. People hate greatness. People want— People get bored with greatness. People want their teams to be great. And then as soon as a different team is great, they despise it until it's not great. Well, yeah, but, but I think people just root for— for their teams, and you can't. I'm not. I don't root for greatness. I root for my teams. I, I don't. I don't have any interest unless I'm rooting for the greatness on my team. I don't care. Why, why would I want to see somebody else's team win when my team's not winning? That's stupid. Well, if you're a fan of the sport, I'm not a fan of the sport. I'm a fan of those teams. All right. I mean, I'm just saying. I, I, I think. I, I, I think never, it has. I, I think. Never, it, I, I always thought that was stupid. I think it holds weight because I, you I know no what. What do you think about? What, say you're a Michael Jordan guy. Michael Jordan guys don't like LeBron. Everyone much, hated right? Michael Jordan when he was in the league. That's what I'm saying. But after he was in the league, who hated Michael Jordan? Nobody. 
And when Tom Brady actually retires, and when Bill Belichick <laughs> actually retires, that's really true. Uh, my bookie probably loves me this week too. But after he retired, it's all love. Kobe got a freaking two numbers retired during his whole career. People hated him, his ass. You know, like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are hated. They're going to yeah, retire. Not, he's not getting his jersey retired league wide. He's getting his jersey retired by the Lakers, where he won five, was six championships, five, five. five championships. I, I have, and I think it's the way it should be. You should always root against teams that challenge your team, whether whether it's good or not, I and mean, like whether your team is good or not. If you know, I, I, it's just gonna, it's gonna affect my rooting if you're not on my team. So you don't care that this Super Bowl is now more ingrained in history because Tom Brady could possibly break the record for most. What is it ingrained? He's already known as the best quarterback yeah, but of if all he time. Wins the Super what Bowl, is he, he has more than Joe what, Montana? Who cares? A lot of people. <laughs> A lot of people probably care about that. I don't care. All right. Couldn't care less. Fair enough. Fair enough. This is Sports Blog New York Podcast. Al Argento and Pete Kennedy in the house. Now it's time to talk about some basketball. But first, I just want to let you guys know, listeners of the SBNY Podcast, that if you like what you've been hearing, one thing you could do that's like pretty nice, it's pretty chill, it would probably make me happy, is rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcast app. Go on there. It takes about 30 damn seconds. You know, you could be listening to this right now, and if you're in for the long haul, you're listening for another 40 minutes. So within those 40 minutes... Hop on to iTunes, hit rate and review, drop some stars, and tell us what you think. Let us know what you want to hear more of, and more importantly, tell us what you like or don't like about the podcast so we can make the best podcast for you to listen to. I thought you were going to have something to say for that. No, I just wanted to make sure I could lift my mic up without it coming, like, annoying everyone that was listening. You were making, like, a little gesture towards your mic, and I was like, I thought you were saying, like, could I say, could I say something? Could I no, say? I just wanted to make sure I could lift the mic up without <laughs> annoying everyone. I was trying to keep that off camera. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on why people should rate and review this podcast? We're a good podcast, and the more you rate us, the more we'll have money in our pockets. <laughs> All right, maybe it's not. <laughs> maybe it's not like that. <laughs> well, could be though. <laughs> you never know. Depends how, depends how many of you people listen and actually rate and review. All right. Well, also, my Venmo is open. <laughs> you want to shout that out? <laughs> uh, you know uh, Shea Serrano, on uh, NBA writer I'm on familiar, Twitter. Yeah. You he's, are. He's annoying. You know. Oh yeah. Well, whatever. Uh, hopefully he doesn't listen to this. He'll block you instantly on Twitter. But I'm already blocked. By, who am I blocked? I'm blo- blocked by um, Ben Roethlisberger. And uh, he blocks everyone. It's really oh, yeah, weird. He, he blocks you know, everybody. I don't even think I've ever said it. Well, that's not true. My buddy's a Steelers fan. I like to hate on him, and I guess he searches things. And yeah. Uh, well, um, what I was gonna say is, I forget actually. What was I just saying? Shea Serrano. Oh yeah. He he has his Venmo open because he like does some like fundraiser stuff. How called the Shea Serrano fund? How cra- yeah, right. <laughs> Goes in his pocket. How crazy is that? I mean, he's a he's a really respectable guy. Like I, I'm a big fan of his. I read one of his books actually, but. Imagine just being like that type of person. You'd be like, "Yeah, I'm raising money for this. Come on, followers, like Venmo me and like get raising thousands of dollars. Like that's pretty, pretty wild. Must be nice. <laughs> it must be must nice. Be nice. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you want to do? You want to do Knicks or Cavs? Because it kind of they can they can combine at one point. I mean, I'm not gonna have much to talk about with the Knicks outside of being upset. So <laughs> it's up to you. All or right. We so want to do quicker one. Let's talk about the Cavs because you kind of feel strongly about this. And they stink. And you think Isaiah Thomas, but it doesn't matter. Like, you don't think he's going to help this team. You've been saying it since before he got back. Makes the team worse. He doesn't help the problem. He makes the team worse. I disagree with you. But they've been doing great since he's been back, though, right? The Cavs gave up 148 points to the Oklahoma City Thunder on national television. Not even on, like, TNT. Not 150, though. On on ABC, like, on Channel 7. Like, there was probably some old man who hasn't watched a basketball game all year (laughs) watching this. What do you think about the Cavs turning it around in the next few months? Um, they are going, well, Ty Lue is not going to last this season. No shot. He lasts this season. He gone. 
LeBron blames. He gone. Um, and they're going to have to trade for somebody who's an old veteran, give up whatever assets they have left. That Nets pick, it is gone. There is no shot that that stays on this team past the trade deadline. Um, and they're probably going to get, I don't know, they'll get like Kemba Walker or something like that who has a, who's a good player and maybe they'll be a little bit better. But right now, their point guard situation is exactly what I thought it would be, which is trash. So wait, are you... Well, Derek Rose wait, is coming back eventually. On. He's back, he's back. Um, are you telling me that a mixture joke, of, by the way. Derek of Rose trash too. Isaiah Thomas, Derek Rose, and Jose Calderon aren't going to set up your team for <laughs> good defense? <laughs> no. Well, is that I, what you're telling me? From someone who watched both Jose Calderon and Derek Rose on the Knicks, uh, they're not great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, IT is so bad. So bad. And he, he's starting to figure out his offense a little bit, which because he wasn't even doing that for a while. He was shooting like three for twenty-one and like you know getting like nine points a game. But now his defense is he's, his offense is there, but his defense is just as abysmal as always. And he stays out there. So how would you? He feel? gets rebounds like right in his face, and somebody just puts their hand in front of it, and then they just get it. So how would you feel if I told you that Isaiah Thomas was quoted saying? Man, this team doesn't really try on defense like they I, don't practice like they did in Boston last year. You know, he's, he's I don't know the exact quote, but basically he said Something like that. I saw that he's like back in Boston. We worked way harder on defense. This team doesn't do that. I was like, damn, bro. Wait, wait. J.R. Smith doesn't try on defense, and and Jose Calderon, and Isaiah Thomas, and Tristan Thompson, and uh, I'm sure I can name more, but the the list goes on. Kyle, well, Kyle Corver probably actually does try. He's just he not tries. <laughs> he, he's probably all he wants. I mean, even Jay, yeah, Jose Calderon Jay, probably tries too. Actually, I can't Jay, really tell. Jay Crowder hasn't looked good this year either. No. Everyone when I when we first started when I, I first, was one of those guys. Yeah, when we first started talking about how I thought the Cavs were going to be better, you're like, dude, they have Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder was so good on defense. He's a good offensive player too, but his defense is great. And it, it's it, defense is all about the system a lot in the in in, in the NBA. I don't know. And when you don't practice, and when you're pra- how do you not practice? How do you not practice? That's so ridiculous. Wait, wait. Not only do they not practice, but they're like proud about it. They're like, yeah, we don't practice. It shows. Like, like, <laughs> it shows. Like, like, like practice, <laughs> man. I, I, I mean, all factual. And also, we, another name you didn't say about trying on defense. Dwayne Wade is like one of their best players. Oh yeah, he's really good at defense too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, so I'm a little bit less worried, I guess, because I just think. You know they're gonna they're gonna teeter at this point where they're like ten games above five hundred. Yeah, they do this every They year. win like high forties. They're gonna be a three or four seed, and then you come to the playoffs and you see LeBron James standing across the way. Uh, nine times out of ten, any NBA fan is gonna say, "All right, I'm still gonna pick LeBron James and the Cavs to win this series." So as a skeptic, which you are, where do you see them realistically in like a serious playoff uh, series? Well, I think it's going to get worse as the year goes on because they're going to get more and more gas. I mean, LeBron is putting out 40, 40 minutes a game every game. I know it's LeBron James. I know we say this. And he hasn't taken his rest games yet. I know. They're, this is them going all out right now. They're trying their hardest right now, and it's just not getting it done. Because the system, you can't just put names together from three, four years ago and hope that they're going to be good together. It's not how it works in the NBA. You need a system. You need to everyone, everyone to buy into that system and fill their roles and do what they have to do. They're going to just just throwing this the same amount of, of like doing the same thing and doing it more with the same players is not going to make them better. It's just beating your head against the wall and hoping for a different outcome. They have. They're older. That's not a young team at all, by any means. And they're going to get more and more gas as the year they goes on. They have one young guy who plays, and it's uh, Chetty Osman. Yeah. And he's like a backup rotation guy. Literally everybody else is like 28 plus. 
Yeah. Derrick Rose is like their second youngest guy in the rotation, maybe. And Derrick Rose is the oldest out of all of them on his body. Like <laughs> Derrick Rose is like a like a nice ripe fifty at this point. <laughs> oh my God. Um so right now they're twenty eight and seventeen and or twenty seven and eighteen. Yeah, they, I they're, they're nine and over. And you mentioned the Nets. The Nets won a good game today against the Pistons. Spencer Dinwiddie balling out. Shout out Spencer Dinwiddie. Dancer Spinwitty. Dancer Spinwitty, baby. Um they have 18 wins. Their pick is currently locked in at eight. But if they had one more win under their belt, well, it would be. It at eight. It, well, yes, right, right, right. But based off record, they're eighth right now. But they're only one game away of that pick being 10th. Now, you said this before that that pick's gone. I also want to get back to that Ty Lue being gone thing because I think that's interesting. Is this pick, if you were you know running the Cavs, you getting rid of that pick? Or are you no. trying to keep it? No, but but you know who runs the, the, the Cavs? Uh, Jarrett Smith. It's a, it's a little old man known as uh, LeBron James, and what he wants happens because they will do anything. They'll bend over backwards, do whatever he wants because they're afraid of him leaving. But which should, will, they, but which should they, will. they not? But should they not be a, like do whatever they could? Because they, they should. Wait, think about this. You don't wait, think? No, you don't think hold on, hold on. I'm gonna put your own words against you right now. Sure. You ready for this? Try. You said before <laughs> how the Patriots are a team that like they're winning. They're winners. The Jaguars are losers. The Vikings are losers. The Eagles are losers. And you expect the Patriots. To just win, right? The Cavaliers are freaking losers, man. They're losers their entire existence except for when LeBron James was a Cav. So people are out there saying, you know, the Cavs, you know, if they're going to be smart, they should keep that pick because if LeBron leaves, they need that pick to rebuild. They're losers. They're going to go back Le- to losing. You're if right. If LeBron leaves, no matter what, if you had the number one pick in the draft again, the Cavs are going to be losers for a long time That's again. Fair. They're going to lose for a long time. So why do you not do whatever the hell you can while you still have LeBron to try to get one more time to not be a damn loser? That's not a bad point. I can't really argue that. That's, that's your own good, words against you. It's not really my own words against me. It's a different point. I'm agreeing with you. No, no, what I'm not you, standing with that. What you, you, <laughs> you said it. You said it before. Winners are winners, losers. Actually, I said you're, that before. <laughs> you're 100 percent right, though. They will go back to losing, and that's fair. But if you want to hope that you, you know, why they got good, because they had a generational player. You know how they got that generational player by having a good draft pick. You know how many first round pick, first overall picks they had since him? Three. I'm aware. I'm aware. One of them was Anthony Bennett. He was pretty good. One of them was Dion Waiters, <laughs> also pretty good. No, he wasn't number one was overall. He? No, he was like a top five though. Uh. And uh, but no, Kyrie Irving, number one. That one worked out pretty well, kind of. Even though Who LeBron made it work better. Kyrie and, uh, and, Anthony and then Bennett. they traded Andrew Wiggins. Right, right, right. They had three number one picks. If they and this pick's not going to be number one. It's going to be. Seven to t- to well, eleven. Fairness, fairness. I, just to play a little devil's advocate here, it could be number one with the lottery. Yeah, right. Come on, it's it's not frozen honestly, envelope. Baby. It probably has like frozen a, envelope, baby. It probably has like a point five chance yeah. of being number one. And on, if this was <laughs> next year, because they're changing the lottery. Hey, that actually happened with the Cavs with um with Andrew Wiggins, right? They mm-hmm. weren't they supposed to be like a six over? Nah, it was like four. Yeah, well, so you know, sit on it. <laughs> All right, you know what? You you changed my mind there. <laughs> Well, one more thing before we hop over to the Knicks, and this is kind of all interconnected. Oh, actually, now two more things. So I want to talk about Ty Lue. I, I, I actually think that was interesting. I saw saw our friend Paul, who's uh, playing 2K kindly while we record this podcast. He gave you a little look when you said that Ty Lue is gone. He's as good as gone, and he shouldn't be the coach of the Cavs. I, I don't agree with our friend Paul's look. I think that's a great idea. He's already talking about it. He's, Ty Lue, he's, Ty Lue he's should already, be gone. What is he doing? LeBron said it in the post-game press conference. They're like, do you, do you think uh, Ty Lue is, has a job in danger? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe. I never know what's going on over here. Like, that's he's saying like, everything. That's I saying everything without saying anything. He's like, I don't make those decisions, <laughs> Wink. 
Oh, you think I have something to do with that? Never, ever, never. All factual. <laughs> Sheesh. Um, so, Ty Lue, I, I kind of agree with you. Do you. Who do you think is the type of person that they go after? You think, because the Knicks fans out there who hate Jeff Hornacek for some reason are like, Isn't oh, crazy. I think no, Jeff Hornacek's a great coach. They're like, oh, Mark Jackson, man, he's going to come back and save Mark the franchise. Mark Jackson? Mark Jackson got replaced by a guy who never coached a day in his life and then, like, was better than him. And then, <laughs> Yeah, well, that was a perfect storm. But Mark like, Jackson was not the greatest coach. No, nah, he, he instilled defense in the Warriors, and that was good. But do you think, do you think this coach uh, change is happening in Cleveland? And if so, you think who do you think? Like, Mark Jackson? You think some random guy? Like, what do you think it's going to be? It's going to be a random guy. Like, who was the uh, Israeli guy? I forget his name. David Blatt. He's David not Blatt. actually Israeli. He just coached in, in Europe. Oh, okay. Well, uh, David Blatt. Um, you know, he wasn't a bad coach. He was a really good coach in college, right? Or, or in Israel or something like that. He Overseas, was, yeah. Yeah, he was an incredible coach. He's probably a better coach than Tyler. What does Ty Lue do? He just looks like a penguin on the, on the side with his... What uh, Ty Lue did was be much more chill with the team when David Blatt was the coach, right? And he yeah. was a little bit more open to say, yo, Kyrie, play some defense. Yo, LeBron, do this. So they got some respect for him. Well, that's but always what two, happens. After two years, they're like, all right, Ty. Well, you know what? You ain't doing nothing. I'll, you know, usually... After a coaching change, you see the next person come and have the opposite mentality, whether you're a tough guy or you're a, like a player's guy. You know, like after, for example, when Tom Coughlin left, they got Ben McAdoo, and he's like a guy who can't corral anybody. I wonder if that happens with – because David Blatt was kind of the, the tough guy, and then uh, Ty Lue came in and doesn't do anything. And I wonder if they – if LeBron knows that and they, they need someone who he could probably, you know – Tell people like buy into his system or something like that. Do you think? Do you think Tyloo has a system? By the way, do you think Tyloo like draws out plays and stuff? I'll tell you this. <laughs> what Watch, does he do? Watching, what do you think he does? Watching Kyrie Irving play in a system just it's makes great. me think even further that there was nothing in, as a system last year because he, all he did was just you know stand around, get the ball, and score, which was effective. But now he's playing in a system. He moves the ball. He lets other people touch it and, sh- and shit like that. Like I don't know. From the naked eye of an NBA outsider, shout out NBA outsiders, I don't know what the hell Ty Lue does. And it's so easy to joke that LeBron runs the team anyway. So I say, hey, if the Cavs are going all in and they're trading this pick for somebody, make the drastic coaching change. Make it even more ridiculous than it already is. Yeah, you know, and let this team get some fire under their ass. If you're making a coaching change, it really benefits you to have those picks. Um, you know, you can you can really pick who you want to pick and everything. So get it done now. I don't know. I think it's one or the other. I think they either make the trade – uh, the trade that they're inevitably going to make or they get rid of him. I doubt both happen. Um, but if both happen, because uh, I think if you get a new coach, he's going to want to have input into – that's not a job people want. Like That is like the one of the worst jobs in the world is being LeBron James's coach. People think it's like, in, oh, you get to win a championship everything. Well, your, job is, cool. your job is always on the line as, as soon as LeBron gets grumpy. As soon as he gets grumpy, you are out of there if he wants you out of there. It's true. It's interesting. But – um. Speaking of that team, you know, that won 148 to, like, 112 or whatever the hell it was, the Oklahoma State Thunder are a team that's, like, six or seven games over 500. By the way, they also get their, their stuff pushed in by the uh, by the Raptors, too, recently. Like, yes. This, was like by 30, oh, they, they've, they've had a couple 30-point losses lately. That's crazy. So, talking Sorry. about the Thunder, though, real quick, they're a team that's had their struggles, and they have their drama, and they have mellow and all that. So, they're also a team with a ton of talent. And Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, and then Steven Adams is a, a pretty pretty respectable top center. They may And Raymond Felton. And Raymond Felton and Alex Brinas. Um, they may just stay at like five or six games above five hundred all year. They may have their struggles. They may have horrible games for no reason. But if you are an NBA franchise, do you get scared in a playoff series when you're against Russ, Paul George, and Melo? Do they scare you at all? 
Yeah, they match up well against the top teams. I think you know they 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 may not be the quickest thing, but they they, they have somebody who could do everything on that team. They have a couple of people who could do everything on that team. They match up really well against the Rockets and the Warriors, in my opinion. Um, I'd be scared of them. I, Paul, I, Paul George, you know, like the whole problem is getting mellow. I think was the, the to buy into being a power forward who was a catch and shoot guy and not really holds on to the ball. And he's starting to do that. If you could do that. And let Paul George – Paul George is pretty much a, a lot of a catch-and-shoot game too nowadays. Uh, and he does create, obviously, but he's a lot of catch-and-shoot too. Russ can actually be what Russ should be uh, in you know, not getting pointless triple-doubles, getting triple-doubles that actually push the offense and spread it out and stuff like that. I think it's so easy to sleep on them. Yeah, Watch, like Looking at their 26-20, and 20, fifth seed in the West position right now, you know, I like him better than the Spurs, who are ahead of them. There's three. Yeah, well, the Spurs are really interesting without Kawhi. He's back out, so that that's a, a tough spot. But Oklahoma City is three games from the four seed, and they're also three games from not being in the playoffs. It's a really weird place to be, but I think it's pretty easy to say they'll be in the. They're playoffs. trending upwards. And it, how easy is it to sleep on them? And then all of a sudden, you know, right now you're the San Antonio Spurs. Playoffs start tomorrow. Kawhi Leonard's still hurt. Say he's still hurt at the playoff time. I'm scared as hell going up against those those Thunder. I think they're destined to go on to the second round of the playoffs. At least. Like they're they're, they're a tough first round matchup. I think, yeah, I think and they, they're they're a tough matchup across the board. Especially if, like that's not a if they're like a five seed, that is not a five seed I want to see as a four seed. You know, like that is a, that's most likely a team that's better than you as a five seed. It's gonna be interesting. And it's gonna be interesting how the seeding works out because home court advantage does mean something, even though we've seen teams go in and win on the road in the playoffs. But speaking of teams winning on the road, the New York Knicks, even though they got one in Utah, can't seem to get it together away from Madison Square Garden. And lately, they haven't even been that good at MSG. Tim Hardaway's back. He's scoring. Courtney Lee's still doing Courtney Lee things. Beasley getting some points off the bench. And KP, who I've been a little critical of lately, is still forcing here and there. He's forcing late. He's reminding Knicks fans of Melo. And who's getting the blame on this? It's Jeff Hornacek. We just talked about it a minute ago. But before we get on to Hornacek and that whole thing, another thing popping up on Nick's Twitter and radio stations and all that is Kemba Walker, who you Kemba. mentioned earlier. Now, with that trade possibility, people expect a few possibilities. A, is that the Hornets also need to get rid of a contract with Kemba Walker if they're going to do so. And they're making that clear. Either Batum or Marvin Williams, big contract, get it off their books and onto the team they trade with. Marvin That's- Williams is not a bad contract, by the way. He shoots, he shoots like 43% from three. Sure. I think that, I, but I agree, but like, I does that contract look good on the Knicks? No, no. no it so it, it, that's the roadblock number one. But besides that roadblock, there, they also want a Neil Aquina or a first round pick from the Knicks. My initial reaction and my reaction after I thought about it for a while is there's no reason for the Knicks to do that to overextend themselves because this is an old Knicks. Aren't move. they like a game ahead of the Hornets? <laughs> they're they're like a game or two ahead of the Hornets. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's the point? They're, yeah, game and a half. Does it make you that much better? And people, people try to pull this card, and this bothers me. Kevin Walker's from New York. He played in MSG in college. Oh, he's lit up the garden in the past. He's done this, and he's done that. Oh, he'd be great in New York. He'd sell the tickets. And I'm like, if he loves, if he loves New York so much, he's very close to free agency. Why are we many, getting rid of How assets? many years does he have left? One. In, including, so the rest of this year and the year after. It's not just a rental. I'll, do, I'll double check on that, but it might be a rental. He's, well, he's eligible for an extension after this year, I think. A rental would be ridiculous. If he loves New York so much, and he's a guy that you want so much, why are you going to make an old Knicks move? Think about mid-2000s, early-teens Knicks trading for Derrick Rose 
and Stefan Marbury's and Tracy McGrady's and freaking Steve Francis. Like these are we the old Tracy McGrady's. Yeah, he was a Nick real quick, real quick. But all these moves in old Nick history that piss us off. That's when as soon as they start messing up, we're screaming for their head to be gone. Doesn't this move overextending yourself, taking on a contract, and getting rid of a first round pick or Neil Aquina just scream no win in the long run? I actually don't think they'll do it. I think unless like they get a good deal. I actually really like what Scott Perry does. I, I think he's proven that he he he's competent. I mean, the Mellow trade was a great trade for both teams. Actually, I think they they really you know it was a we we, we got a good second round pick out of it, and we got two players. Cantor con- Cantor's contract might be good, uh, might be big, but you know he, he wants to play. He's a pretty good center and better than what we were ha- we had and everything like that. But. Um, I don't think that he makes that trade for no reason. I don't. I don't think he does it unless he's getting a good deal that benefits both teams. I think he's a good. I think he's a good um, assessor of talent as well. I don't think he's going to get somebody that for no, you know, that's not that good. So I agree. I think Kevin Walker's. He's he's like on the fence of that of being that good, right? He's been an All Star before. He's averaged twenty points before. He averages six assists every year. You know, he's been on a team to make the playoffs, and I don't think he's ever won a playoff round, but. He's on that fence of, like, could be good enough to really affect your team. But is he really in that top tier? Now, say this situation was not Kemba Walker, but it was Damian Lillard. Is that a guy who would actually tickle your feathers enough to say, all right, we need to move some buildings for this to happen? It depends on how much time is left in the contract. I think that's a huge Excuse me, that's a gigantic part of, of the trade. If, you, if you're getting someone for a year or a year and a half, it's not worth it at all. So Kemba Walker, I just checked his you contract. You could trade for a young guy. He and has tw- Lillard's a little older, too. He's like, what is he, 27? Yeah, probably. It's not worth it. It's, uh, it I, don't, I, don't think, I, I don't like making trades like that in the NBA. I think you need to have work on your core for a little bit, do some ab exercises. Um, <laughs> but you're, you're a couple s- planks. And- you're starting to get some stuff together. You have, a, you, you have a core that's not there yet, but you have pieces you could build around. But you can't build around things unless you, you keep those pieces. You know, It's not just about mixing and matching until you figure something out. They, they're most, it seems like they're trending downwards. They might get a, Even if they get a... 10 through 20 pick, right? They it, it, they don't need to get another star on that team. They need to get a good role player. They need to get a, maybe a, a starter that's you know on the lower end or a something. A guy who can earn minutes. A yeah. guy who deserves minutes on the basketball exactly. court. Exactly. And, and so they, they need to get players like that. And, and, and when they come up through our system, they're more likely to know that system and want to play in that system. And every, the more people you have like that, the more likely you're going to win games. And I don't, I don't think that the Knicks are going to fall back into old Nick ways. I don't think that they're going to do that. I, I t- completely tend to agree with you. And, th- and the main reason I wanted to bring it up is because of the amount of opposite opinions of ours that I saw via Twitter and, and via radio. And it, it bothered me because, like you said, the Knicks are a lo- they're losers. The Knicks are a losing organization. Yeah, we, we as fans are losers because we like the Knicks. <laughs> and yet, after one year... Of Jeff Hornacek, where he was neutered as a coach. Everybody can agree he was not able to be himself as a coach last year. Do you think year. he's being a little neutered right now? By the way, but with like you see a lot of Willie coming in. And a lot no, of- I think I think he's reaching that point where we're not winning games anyway. Let me try to start mixing it up a okay. little bit. Fair enough. So now he's the guy who's getting some of some of this blame. But if you, when Scott Perry became the GM, if you said to yourself, "All right, I like what this guy's doing. He got rid of Mello and made a move that makes sense for us moving forward." He's, uh, yeah, he handed Tim Hardaway a lot of money, but we kind of don't mind that. If you were in any sort of boat that is pro Scott Perry, that was pro what he was doing with his organization, 
you should never think that Kemba Walker is a guy we should trade for. Because his whole thing is like, we're doing this for the long term. And we have one good month of basketball. Every Knicks fans think we're going to be a playoff team. And now we go on a losing streak and we got to blow it up. Like, it's incredible how Knicks fans continuously don't see what's in front of their face and try to do the same old garbage every single time. And it just bothers him to me because New York fans are sold as this smart fan group. And I see Knicks fans that just do not get it. They just do the, not, not get the, it. It's not that we're dumb. We're just delusional. It's just we're so starved for winning that we'll believe anything. We'll buy into anything. If, if we got Kemba right now, I guarantee you'd be like, wow, Kemba's great. I can't wait to watch him play. He's going to, you know, I'm not, I may not be happy with it, but I'm going to be stoked to watch him, you know, and th- that's natural. You're, it's natural to want to. And and, w- and would Kemba light up the garden here and there? Absolutely. It's, like, yeah, he'd be dropping 30 in the garden here and there. And yeah, he'd look great with him and Porzingis and Hardaway teetering around 18 to 22 every night. Yeah, that looks, that sounds great, but he's still not good on defense. He's still never been the best player on a really good team. And, does he does he move us up from you know uh, a B minus to a B maybe, but why are we hindering and and hurting the 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 bank account putting more contracts on to go from a B minus to a B? It doesn't doesn't make any sense to me. I, I know a lot of people say that you know you, you know what Kemba is you don't know what a draft pick's gonna be. I'd rather take the chance with the draft pick. I, I really would. I, in any in any case, unless you're getting an MVP or something like that where, you know, you're going to have to give a package with a lot of assets and stuff like that. I don't think it's ever worth it, especially with the position you're at now, to do it. You know, maybe if, you, if you're if you on the fringe and you're like a f- five seed or something like that and your pick's probably not going to be the greatest anyway and you can throw that in there and make your team better, you do that. If you if you know you're, you're in a winning position, you can do that. But if you're not in a winning position to try to get into a winning position, it doesn't make any sense. You have to be almost there. To make right. the move to get there. Right. You can't be, you know, halfway uh, between home and, and your target another, and then just jump there with a tri- quick trade. Another another thing that makes people a little bit more delusional is, to, is, to the, is that most teams in the NBA make the playoffs. Literally most teams make them. More teams yeah. make them than don't make them. Facts. Know? Two more so, teams make it than don't. So making the playoffs is right now is the, is the, th- is the, uh, the want from everyone. It doesn't make you good. It makes you literally average. If you make the playoffs at eight, it makes you mediocre. If yeah. you are six, seven, or eight, you are the most mediocre. average team exactly. in the league. You know, it's it's you don't see that in other sports. You and yet that that'd be a place I'd like to be as the Knicks. Because you know what? If the Knicks, but, but if, natural, wait, hold on, organically. Hold on. Let me say this to you. No, <laughs> fine. I'm a, all right. <laughs> Podcast is over. Thank <laughs> you guys for listening. My name's Rick. <laughs> um, let me say this to you. If the Knicks were comfortably in a six seed right now, the Knicks were the Indiana Pacers. They're three games over five hundred. They're twenty five and twenty two. And they're playing the same roster exactly how they do. Then, as a six seed, do you say, "All right, let's make this move and try to bump from a six to a five or four? Is does that make sense? Because even then, it's on the point where it's like, "All right, does this really get us over the hump?" I wouldn't get mad at it. You know, it dep- it depends on the move. You it know, would it, make a whole lot more sense though. Yeah, but like Knicks are eighteen. I mean, twenty one and twenty six. It's 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 only if oof. you're good and trying to be better, not if you're crappy and trying to be good. You know, that's when you make that move. Yeah. Well, with Kemba or not, the point guard position for the Knicks still seems to be a little bit of a problem as Jared Jack can't really stop anybody. You know, he'll, he'll get some games where he's scoring some points and get some assists. He has assists, like, pretty much every night. I think he averages about six. And Frank Nielakina is a 19-year-old point guard who has good games. And, and, Trey bad, Burke. and bad games. And Trey Burke. Sure, he's been playing all right. And he's, but he's not, and he's not a shooting guard anymore, right? That, that's the he, whole, he's now that's, more of an actual point guard. Isn't that why they, he went to the, D league, or the G League is uh, to be a, become a point guard? 
he tried to uh, work on his point guard skills. Because he always looked at it as like that combo yeah, guard too, who has two guard skills. Because he's too tiny to be uh, really even be a point guard. He's, he's isn't he like like he's five like a, ten? He's like a six foot. I thought he was like five ten. I thought he was under six. He might be. But, I'm uh, not. I'm not measuring. Yeah. <laughs> so my question about that with the point guard is, when do you reach the point where we have to say, Jared Jack, what you do has been what you've done has been nice, but what you're doing is not doing anything for us. Well, if they're starting to put out Willie out there and starting to just get players' minutes instead of trying to win, then you you, you should start Frank ASAP, in my opinion, because he, he needs consistency. Um, you know, sometimes he's close to a triple-double. Sometimes he's getting five minutes a game and he can't do anything. You know, it's you need to get him starting and getting wet under his beak at this point if we're not competing. I think you, you, you get rid of Jared Jack. I wonder if they trade him. He probably has some trade. Uh, some I don't think he has anything. Uh, you think they got to they sell a little bit at the deadline, right? That was actually my next question. Deadline's coming up. That was my next question. So I agree with the point guard play. I think if Jared Jack continues to do what he does and get some assists and score here and there but also be literally a turnstile on defense, you have to reach the point where these little things we think Jared Jack is helping us win – uh, he might be helping us, helping us lose a little mo- bit more. So let's start playing with our options at point guard. But hopping off of unrealistic trades and onto ones that might actually be a thing that the Knicks consider, I want to ask you about a couple of people on the Knicks who have value and could be real considerations to move to try to get, you know, even even a second round pick or a late first or a player who might work in the future for the Knicks who doesn't get a chance on their current team. Something like that. So I'm going to name some guys to you. I want you to rank them on their trade value or um, how much you would consider trading them, basically. So, Kylo Quinn, Courtney Lee, Michael Beasley, Enos Cantor, and Doug McDermott. All right, well, I'm going to try to remember who you said. Um, mo- who I think we should trade in is most tradable is Courtney Lee. Uh, you're never going to get this production that you got out of him this year again, and his contract is big. And the more you have him, uh, he's just going to decline going forward. Kylo Quinn, I'd like to get something for him since he's going to be leaving anyway. He's on a good contract. He'll go to a cha- you know like a championship contender. Might get a second round pick or something like that for him. Maybe a player of his project, something like that. Doug McDermott, I want. I want Michael Beasley. Um, even though Michael Beasley is going to get paid a little bit more this year, maybe. Year. Well, both are on expiring contracts. If I'm not mistaken, I know Michael Beasley definitely is, but because he's on a one year deal. But um, I think Doug McDermott is also a rental. Uh, but regardless, I think we should bring them back next year. You want consistency as much as possible. Courtney Lee is kind of the consistency guy right now because he's been more consistent than McDermott. Yeah, but you know what? From the he, be- he gets more minutes than Beasley. He gets more minutes than Kylo Quinn, who's also been pretty consistent. Courtney Lee has been a good shooter and just a very solid all-around player. Yeah, that's why you should trade him. So you're, you're saying sell your, high on he him. Might, he'll get you a first-round pick, I think. I, I, I tend to agree, but my, my spin zone here is Enos Cantor is the guy who should be traded for the Knicks. Yeah, but it's going to be hard to trade Enos Cantor. He is on an on a expiring contract, kind with, of, because he, has the, he has the, the no, player, option, player option. And he, he most likely will opt out to try to get a he long-term deal. An, he would be an idiot if he didn't, if he didn't uh, buy into that player option. I, if he didn't buy into it. If well, he didn't opt keep in, it. Op, opt into it. Opt in. Opt in. Oh, okay, I think you're going to say opt out. Because he might not get paid what he's getting paid right now, $18 million, I'm pretty sure. No, so, no, no shot. If you can get return on him, a guy who can be a decent starter, he showed this year, even though he hasn't played much in fourth quarters, which is a different conversation. Or a guy who can be a very good bench player. He might be a guy who gets returned. I'm saying first round pick or a player who you actually don't want. I'd, l- on your I'd team. love to trade him, but we're not going to get anything. For him. But you know what? At the same time, he is our he is a starting caliber center. 
we would not have a starting caliber center. Like either Kylo Quinn and, and, and Willie Arnon Gomez or Joakim Noah. Remember Joakim Noah? Remember that guy? Who's that? <laughs> None of them are uh, are starting caliber. You know who I'd love to trade? Joakim Noah. Think oh, that'd yeah. I wow. think that'd be pretty good. Oh, uh, wow. What would, what would that do for us? Anything good? Uh, yeah, it would give us relief on the salary. It would give us like $50 million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he still have like five years left? <laughs> I think he has two or three years left for sure. Um, so, so you think... Is there anybody else on the list? I was, uh, no, that was that was that was all of them. Um, so you think Michael Beasley has a little bit of a, of a value? Enos Cantor, you're not too sure of his value, even though he is the best player probably out of the group that that we mentioned. <coughs> I think Knicks fans who really bought into the team early on this year really fell in love with Enos Cantor and liked what he was doing um, on the toughness level and obviously on the the rebounding end and scoring some some. Well, big, he's also some big the games. type of personality that people in New York love, right? I think it's a mirage. I think he's been able to dupe New York fans into thinking he's this big, tough guy who's an enforcer who really uh, makes a positive impact on the court. And I think he's a lot more average than we think. And I think he's even a little bit of a detriment since he hasn't been able to earn minutes in the fourth quarter. If you can get anything out of him, I am so fine with shipping off the quote unquote like city guy who people lo- like flock to. I don't. Know, I, I don't think he's as bad on defense as you make him out. I don't really see that um, at all. Like, where, where I see it breaking down is kind of more on the front court. Where I see I mean, Enos Cantor break down on defense is it, what, next time you're watching Knicks game, you'll see it. I promise. I've been looking for it. Don't don't tell me. He's engaged with the center, right? He is in a, in a post. He's in <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> really big, really big diamond. But he's engaged with the center in the low post, and a point guard or guard makes a cut towards the basket. Enos Cantor oftentimes will stay engaged with the center while a point guard or guard slashes right to the hoop for an easy layup. And you're like, yo, Enos, like, why didn't you take one step to get in this guy's way? And it doesn't look like he's not trying. It looks like he's trying, just doesn't <laughs> even think to take a step up and defend the shot. And I'm telling you, keep an eye for that. I also I also think that there's a factor that if you're noticing it, other GMs are going to notice it, and you're not going to be able to sell high on him then because they're not idiots. You know, they know more than the, the average person. Courtney Lee, there's you you know what he is, and he's it's pretty obvious that he's doing very well. You know, that's someone he's you, doing better than ever. Yeah, actually, exactly. <laughs> it's like he's his having, best season. Of all his time. best season. So it's you know that's not something you're not going to be able to fool you you don't fool GMs in in this league or professional sports really it just doesn't happen everything every trade is done for a reason I actually think what you said right there is maybe the smartest thing you said in the podcast so far I think because what I'm thinking I think is I say a lot of smart things I'm thinking in the in the terms of I think fans overrate Enos Cantor's value and that's why Nick should probably look to trade him because I don't think he's helping the team that much but you're so right other GMs don't think that highly of Enos Cantor I don't think yeah and if he wasn't on the Thunder in that situation. I don't think he's getting eighteen million dollars a year, so so maybe my uh, I think I'm why out. Th- why did they give him that money? He was the backup center there. Yeah, he was like twenty two. He was like twenty three years old when he got that contract. He's only twenty five right now. Still though, it just doesn't it doesn't make a lot. Like was it the big year when they when they gave out those big contracts? Yes. Oh, okay, that makes it must. It was two years ago. Yeah, so that makes perfect been, yeah. sense. That that really that really ended up putting a real twist into things. You know who you said um, you said Michael Beasley might be getting some money next year because he's been playing pretty well and scoring at a high volume. I don't know if the money's going to be around because think about all these bad contracts people have been signing. Think about the Portland Trailblazers. Like, they're paying guys like Myers Leonard and the, Evan the, Turner like loads was, of money. That was such a poorly done job by the the NBA. Like, I've never seen that before in any other sport. You know, like they the NBA salary cap is so messed up on every which way, and they just never even try to fix it. And if they try to fix it, they just mess it up. <laughs> it really is become a pretty big problem because. 
teams like the Nets. You know whose fault it is, actually? The damn Brooklyn Nets. The Nets ruined it for everybody by taking every restricted free agent in the world and offering them $20 million. <laughs> so Tyler Johnson in Miami can be getting paid like a starting caliber shooting guard. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, ridiculous. I, you know, it's hard to blame the, Met, the, 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 sorry, the Nets when the Lakers gave Timothy Mozgov that money and the Knicks gave And Lou Deng. And Lou Deng. I didn't know that. Uh, and, <sighs> yeah, I mean... I mean, the, I, I, you, like we, we are so close to the issue with Joakim Noah. There's plenty of just as bad, if not worse, contracts in the NBA. Yeah, it's really rough, and I don't think it's changing. I think there's going to be these bad contracts around, and they're not going anywhere. And if you're a team with a bad contract, I mean, Mike Conley's getting paid thirty something million. Yeah, but he, here. Right, you know he's hurt right now. He's actually no, that's good. How, nobody's worth he's that money. He's actually good though. At nobody least. in the NBA with that cap is worth that money. Nobody. But and if it's, and I've it's, said this to you before. It's, it's sure I've said hell, this to you before. Sure the Memphis Grizzlies don't have any other options. No free agents outside of Chandler Parsons are siding with the Grizzlies. So when they draft somebody like Mike Conley, who's actually good, they have no choice but to pay them in. Well, you know what's another problem, too, with the NBA salary cap? The salary floor that it has. You know, it doesn't incentivize teams to lay off for a couple off seasons because you have to make you have to make contract. You got to uh, fill up your roster. Yeah, you have to fill up your roster and you can't just, you know, if you're if you're a team that's trying to I, I guess it's to try to keep parity and keep teams from tanking, but you know, if you if you don't have to take on bigger contracts on on players, you could just fill up with try and buys, you know, like uh, fill up guys on on uh uh, on uh, unguaranteed, unguaranteed contracts and, and try to G League guys and stuff like it's that. It's happening in baseball too, by the way. These big contracts are not existing anymore right now. Oh, in it's done. Because they, yeah. they, they're treating, and I love it too. Uh, they're treating the the luxury taxes if it's a salary cap. I think it's great. It makes uh, it interesting. It makes it interesting. But all, none of these big free agents are quote big free agents are getting paid right now. But what's crazy is like so the, is Bryce Harper worried? You think he's worried? No, he's not worried. He's still getting paid like crazy. Of course, he's like gonna, he's the only he's guy. Gonna, though. He's gonna get the biggest contract in the history. But that's fine because he's so young. But you know the he's not he's not a pitcher with arm issues who's twenty seven and. Might exactly. be out of the league in three years. I think it's so crazy that the M- MLB Players Association, which is pretty much known as being the best union in the world, um, allowed this to happen. Uh, they, they think about it. Your your first payday, pretty much when you're in baseball, is when you're like 27, 28 years old. Nobody's giving you that contract anymore. Like that's when you earn. You you're pretty much making nothing until that. Uh, until you're uh, until you're like thir- until you're all arbitration and, and all that stuff, and then you're not worth the money anymore. Yeah, it's crazy. Shout out Matt Harvey <laughs> <laughs> and Noah Syndergaard and all those guys. Oh man! All right. Well, uh, lastly, you're kind of on the Patriots. I think I am as well to win the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. We have two weeks now to to wait for that to be a thing again, and then we'll we'll make our picks later on in the podcast. We'll get all all the different co-hosts from the pod. We'll get them to make their picks. Write a little blurb, and I'll, I'll shout them out. Blurb. Uh, but lastly. Knicks continue to struggle, or you see a little flip? I think there's going to be ebbs and flows with this team. I think you know if they were able to do it in the beginning of the year, they're going to have a period for maybe a month or two, month and a half or something like that where they do a similar thing. But I think that the you know the the winning percentage that they have now is going to be pretty close to what they end the season with. I um I kind of agree. So so you're saying you still think they're it's not on the fun out- when we keep agreeing we outside agree on like everything today. outside looking in on the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think they're a playoff team. I, I think they have the talent to be a playoff team. I I think that they have a lot of, for whatever reason, they just don't want to. They don't want to play cohesively. So you can't imagine them passing the likes of the Sixers, Pacers, Pistons, or Bucks. <laughs> no. All right. Well, you heard it here. You heard it here. Even though if you didn't want to hear it. Um. Yeah. So. 
destined for just below mediocrity. Just below, not even mediocrity. <laughs> just below mediocrity. All right, hey, well, it's a step in the right direction for next year. I agree. Let's keep. Let's look at it positively. Maybe Frank will have a good run at the end of the year. Who knows? All right. Well, this has been the SBNY podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review, and all that jazz. All that money in my pocket. Yo, Alec, you got any last words? Uh, let's go Jags. Let's go Jags. <laughs> Blake Bortles for the win. All right, Sports Block New York Podcast. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.